Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you good this morning? Yes, you are. Well, it's good to see you. Are you excited about the cookout? The more you say amen, the closer we get to the cookout. What? Excuse me? Okay, come on now. <laughs> Um, Chad, can you hand me a water real quick? Thank you, sir. Today, uh, we're going to continue this series. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And if I sound a little um, tight in my throat, I've just had some allergies this week. I'm not sick, so everybody calm down. Um, uh, just had some allergies, so um, I'm going to preach it uh, like I always do. But if I sound a little hoarse, you'll know why. Because I haven't even started talking yet, and I'm already hoarse. So we're going to continue this series about the Holy Spirit today, and um, I want to talk about uh, something near and dear to my heart, and I want to talk today about unity in the Spirit, unity in the Spirit. So if you got a Bible, let's turn to Ephesians 4, and we're going to start there. Ephesians 4, and we're going to read in verse 1 in the New Living Translation. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, now this is the Apostle Paul speaking, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. That's the, that's the key verse for us today. Make every effort. He's talking to a church like us. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. In verse 4, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called for, to one glorious hope for the future. So today, we want to talk about unity in the spirit. Now, if you've been here on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for about five weeks. Now, the first week we talked about who is the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, when we talked about who is the Holy Spirit, we talked about He is a person. He is God. He is God's presence and God's power upon your life. We also talked about the power of Pentecost. In the Pentecostal experience, when the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit came and brought power, power to live a new life, power to overcome temptation, power to do all the supernatural things the Bible talks about. So we see the Holy Spirit came and brought power at Pentecost. Another week, we talked about how he's your divine advantage, how when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, uh, the Bible says that he is your helper, he is your comforter, he is your counselor, he is your strengthener, he is your intercessor, he is your encourager. The Holy Spirit is your advantage in life. Come on, you got to help me today. And then last week we talked about the Holy Spirit filled life and you having a personal prayer language. What does praying in tongues mean? What is praying in a supernatural prayer language mean? We talked about that last week and what happened on the day of Pentecost um, that we're celebrating, that when the Holy Spirit got poured out, a byproduct of that, that the Holy Spirit gave them a supernatural prayer language. And that's for everyone. A personal prayer language for your own devotional life and why you need it and why it's for. So last week we talked about that. Now, if you haven't been here, I encourage you to listen to those podcasts because that will catch you up to what we're talking about today. But today I want to talk about unity in the Spirit. Now this is a very important topic to me, and this is the kind of church we're called to be. There's something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes. He takes groups of people that are different from one another, all different backgrounds, different races, different financial uh, situations. He brings people that are all over the place 
differences and sometimes they're the racial differences and financial differences and they vote for different people and they live different places and they have different backgrounds some grew up poor some grew up rich and they come from all different backgrounds and there's something that happens and we're going to talk about it today that we need to realize the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and in the church is he brings unity in the spirit we see in the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about it later in this message, that when the Holy Spirit got poured out, he brought people from every different tribe, nation, and tongue, and he made them a part of one body and one church. And up to that, that point, there was division. There was racism. There was prejudice. There was great barriers and separation between people in that time and that day, just like today. But when the Holy Spirit got poured out, there came a unity and they were all in one accord. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in not just this church, but the church, the global church. Because a united church, hear me this morning, is an unstoppable force. A united church is a powerful church. Do you realize the greatest enemy that... Uh, we have is division in the church. If the, the enemy can get us divided and fighting each other, the church will stop being powerful. We'll, we'll stop moving ahead with the plan of God. The church won't be able to do what we're called to do if we are divided. Are you with me this morning? So we've seen in the past three years, not just division in our world, but division in our church. Division in the church world. And that was the plan of the enemy to divide us like never before. Because if the church is not united, the church is not powerful. Your Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. That where there's division and strife, there's every evil work. And I have seen this more than ever in the past three years. The church world has been divided over the most petty things. Hear me today, whether you know about it or not, there's a lot of churches that close their doors, not because of COVID, but because of division. In the past three years, I'm not talking about a few, I'm talking about hundreds in this nation closed their door because people couldn't get along anymore because of division. It wasn't COVID that closed it, it was division because they were fighting about stuff that they did not need to fight about. And they weren't letting the Holy Spirit move their church forward. They weren't letting their Holy Spirit uh, unite that church. They weren't letting the Holy Spirit move on their heart and bring them love and unity and one accord. So we don't ever want to be that way as a church. Oh, three amens. Okay. Y'all thinking about the hot dogs or what? Come on. We'll get there. We don't want to ever be that type of church. Now, um, my hat's off to you because really, for the most part, our church did pretty good during the past three years of getting along. Now, not that there wasn't a few fires we had to put out, but for the most part, you guys did a really good job staying united and keeping the main thing the main thing, and I commend you for that because there's a lot of churches that shut down. You know why? Because they would get in fights about, do you want to wear a mask? Do you not want to wear a mask? I don't know. I don't care. Should you have the vaccine? Should you not have the vaccine? Black lives matter. Police lives matter. Which side are you? What team are you on? Both. Are you Trump? Are you Biden? Petty differences like this have taken churches out all over our country. Thank the Lord, our church is still here. And some of y'all are petty, but you ain't that petty to leave the church over it. So, <laughs> But we get caught up in things like that. Many churches have closed over those issues over the past three years since COVID. It's ridiculous. What is lacking in that church? A move of the Holy Spirit. 
If those people were listening to the Holy Spirit, they would not have been fighting over those petty things. There would have not been that division because when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings unity. He brings love. He brings one accord. He brings this, uh, this attitude of I'm putting you above me and I'm going to look out for you. And it's not about me. It's what the scripture just said in Ephesians that I'm going to make allowance for each other's faults because I got faults. But you don't naturally do that. That's why the Holy Spirit has to work in your life and do that in your heart. So we want to talk today about unity in the Spirit. And I commended you because you, you have been a great church. But we have to talk about these things to continue to walk in the unity that God has for our church. So we don't get caught up in these petty differences and opinions. And we keep the main thing the main thing, and we are united in the Spirit. But divisions are not new to this world. You realize the early church were living in a time of great divisiveness. The Roman Empire was in charge of where Jerusalem was and God's people were. In the first 30 years of the early church in the book of Acts, you see there is great prejudice, hate, racism, separation in society and culture so this is not a 2023 issue this is an issue that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years but here's something that happened in the early church and it made the early church so attractive to those outside the church you know what it was because the early church had people that were all different in one church that was unheard of in the ancient world. Like, there wasn't people of, that were opposite races just going to church with each other. There, there, there wasn't a Jew and Gentile going to church with each other. There wasn't slave and free, rich and poor going to church with each other. They weren't doing life together. They lived in separate parts of life. And so when they saw the early church doing life together, having a community built on God, they said, I want to be a part of that. What is this community that there's diversity but yet unity in it? That they love each other and they pray for each other and they care for each other. And they're, they're, they're giving of their financial gifts and goods to each other. And, and they are for each other. And some are educated and some are not educated. And some are religious and some are not religious. And some are slave and some are free and some are male and some are female. And they were all in one community doing life together. And the Roman Empire and the Roman world saw that and said, I want that. I want to be a part of that. But you know, our world wants the same thing. They want to see a community living in that way that are diverse, but yet united in what God has for them. That's attractive to the world. And the world has the same separations. They could try to act like they don't, but they do. They separate people based off their class or their race or their money or their education. On and on and on it goes. But the church has no place for any of that. Because when God's spirit is moving, he erases the walls of separation. He erases the barriers between people. And he brings us into one united family. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. I'm going to eat two hamburgers for this. Three. Okay, so it's going to get even better. He said, eat three. Look at this verse in Galatians. It's, it says this exact same thing. He's talking to the Galatian church. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And there is no longer, notice in, in Jesus, no longer Jew or Gentile. Now, let me talk about this just for a moment because we're living in 2023 we don't think Jew and Gentile Jew and Gentile is both racial and religious separation because the Jewish people were like the in crowd like they had a special relationship with God Gentile just means any other nation that wasn't Jewish and it says now that we're all in Christ and in one family there is not Jew and Gentile there's not the in crowd and the outside crowd we're all one in Jesus. 
And that happens by the Spirit of God. We're, we're, we're not just the religious and the non-religious. No, we're all one now because of the Spirit. And Jew and Gentile is also racial. So the Jewish people uh, is a certain race, and then all the other nations were different races. But it was a racial tension. But now there's no longer races in God. There's not a specific race who has the upper hand on who gets to be close to God. There's, there, there's not a certain race that, that you should just have in your church. I'll write now somebody. Churches should, shouldn't just be like a white church or a black church or a Hispanic church or an Asian church. They should be the church and have all races in them because that's what God wants. There's no Jew or no Gentile now. There should not be a separation. There's no slave or no free. Now, in the, in the ancient world, slavery was very common. It wasn't like the slavery we had in our country. In the ancient world, slavery could be up to 50% of the people in a certain area in the Roman world could be slaves. And it wasn't based off race. It was based off of poverty. People went into slavery because of poverty. So you could say modern day, there's no slave or free or there's no rich or no poor. In Jesus, there shouldn't be a separation. Why? Because we've been united in the Spirit. And there's no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. Actually, we'll stop right there. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. So think about this. The early church, part of their attractiveness to the world around them was their love and unitedness in the Spirit. When the world sees a united church, not a divided church, then they will be attracted to it. Then you will be able to reach people. Then we will not be in the same case. The world sometimes looks at the church and says, y'all have the same problems we do. That should not be the case in the church. We should be the example that they look at our community. They look at our churches, not just this church, but the church, and say, look at the way they love each other. Look at the way they give to each other. Look at the way they do life together. Look at the way they pray for each other. Look at the way they're united, and they're all different. And they all came from different backgrounds and different educations and different places and different races and different amounts of money. And, and, and some were religious and some were non-religious, but in Jesus he has united us in the Spirit. That's what the world is looking for. And that's God's heart that we live like that as a church. So, can I go a few steps further? Okay. So, when we're talking about unity, I want to talk for a minute about what unity is and what it isn't. When I'm talking about unity, I'm not talking about uniformity. When I say we're united and we want to be united in the spirit, that does not mean uniformity. Uniformity means that we're all going to look the same, act the same, talk the same, dress the same, and we're all just cookie cutters of each other. God's not looking for uniformity. He's looking for unity. Uniformity is when everybody is the same. Everybody acts the same, looks the same, is the same. Listen, that's not a church, that's a country club, or that's a cult, but that's not a church. God's not looking for that. He's looking for diversity in unity. That we are different, but yet united on the same thing, on the same path, about the essentials of our faith. But God loves diversity. You know, God is a creative God. He created this world and everything in it with Vast diversity. He is for diversity. God created this world with so much difference and creativeness. It's amazing. Now, I've told you this many times before. On Saturday nights, a lot of times when I'm studying, I'll turn on one of those Planet Earth documentaries. Or uh, David Attenberry, he's done a bunch of them. And... Uh, don't you wish like God probably talks like David Attenberry? He's just, he's great. And he, he, he's usually the one who's 
the one narrating all those nature documentaries. And what I found out with watching those documentaries, because they go to places in the world that I've never been or never even heard of. They go to different mountains and rivers and, and forests and jungles that hardly anybody's ever been in because this world's a big place. What I've found out by watching that is God loves diversity. And God created diversity because when you watch a documentary like that, you're like, wow. Because they go and they find this one beetle in this one jungle that no one's ever been in before. And they go, oh, yeah, when we found him, there's actually 200 variations of this stinking beetle. And no one's ever seen him before, but God just made him because he likes diversity. And then they go to this ocean and they find this one fish that looks prehistoric and looks like it should be in Jurassic Park. And, and they go, yeah, you think this fish is cool? Actually, there's a thousand different species of this fish, but no one ever sees them unless they go really deep in the ocean and they go look for them. And you're like, why did God make that? God made it because he loves diversity. And they go to this one forest and they find this one particular plant and it's really cool looking. And they're like, it only lives in this certain location. But actually, there's 300 different variations of the same plant and they're all a little bit different. Why? Because God loves diversity. God is a creative God and God loves diversity. He loves to create. He's not a God of uniformity. He's a God of unity. But it's amazing if you watch those documentaries how even though they're diverse, they're united because they all affect each other. They'll talk about this in those documentaries. If this dung beetle doesn't go here and, and drop this dung right here, then this plant can't grow up. And if this plant doesn't grow up, then this animal can't eat that plant. And if that animal can't eat that plant, then that animal can't go to the other side of the mountain and plant these other seeds. And you're thinking, wow. So if this guy doesn't do this part, and this doesn't do this part, and that doesn't do that part, and that doesn't do that part, then none of it works. Why? Because they're diverse, but yet they're united in one purpose. And if God put that much intention into a dung beetle, or a plant that you will never see, and God put that much intention into different animals all around the world, how much more human beings the crown of his creation? And just like they're all connected, human beings, we are all connected. And if you don't do your part and I don't do my part and they don't do their part, guess what? It doesn't work. We have to be united in our diversity. Are you picking up what I'm laying down so far? God made us diverse and God made us different for a reason. If you look at pictures of people all over the world, God loves diversity. You see every different shade of skin, every different eye color, every different type of person. Why? Because God loves diversity. He's into unity, not uniformity. And with diversity comes strengths. God made us all different because none of us have it all together. Are you with me? Oh, y'all thought you were God for a second. No, since we're not, we need each other. Certain people have certain strengths that you don't have. That's why you need them. This person has this strength, and this person has this strength, and this person has this gift, and this culture brings this into the church, and this person does this special that you don't know how to do. And all of us together make up the whole body. But it's diverse, but yet united together. We need Diversity, but not just diversity, unity in diversity. One of the best examples of this in the Bible is the body of Christ. God says in his word that you are many members or many parts, but yet one body. Many parts, diverse, but yet one body, united. All of us together are different parts of the body of Christ, but yet united in one purpose, in one calling, and united by one spirit. If you look in 1 Corinthians 12, it goes on and says about the body of Christ. If everyone was an ear, how would you see? If everyone was an eye, how would you walk? All of our differences are not a hindrance to each other. They're a help to each other. 
we all bring our strengths into the body of Christ. But we are diverse, but we're united in our diversity. The Bible says we are many members or many parts of the body, but one body. Just like your human body, it's got a lot of parts. It's got a lot of functions. It's got a lot of things going on. But yet you are one body. And when all of you, all those parts are flowing together, united in diversity, you're healthy. You're growing. You're full of life and power and energy. It's the same thing with the church. Even though we're all different, many parts, many members, when we're all functioning together as one body, united in diversity, the body of Christ is growing, is strong, is powerful, is moving ahead with the plan of God. But if we're all going to fight each other just like your human body, we are going to be sick and weak and not able to do God's will. Because God has called us to be one body with many members. Unity in diversity. Now, to explain it like this, because we're not looking for uniformity, we're looking for unity. People have said it like this. Well, how can... The body of Christ and believers get along together if we're different. Well, this is a good way to frame it. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Which is love. How can the body of Christ be so different and diverse, but yet united? In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty or freedom. In all things, charity or love. That's how we should approach every issue as a believer. Now let me explain that. In essentials, we should all be united. Here's an essential. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is virgin born. Jesus is coming back one day. Those are essential things. In essentials unity, we should all unite around stuff like that. Or the Bible is God's word. United on that. On non-essentials, liberty, freedom. Meaning everyone has different convictions on this. If it's not clear in the scriptures, then you need to let the Holy Spirit lead them and you not lead them. And give them liberty. If it's not an essential... In non-essentials, liberty. That means stuff like church style. It's not an essential. It's a a matter of opinion. That means some churches sing hymns and some churches sing contemporary worship music. It's a non-essential liberty. If they want to do it, let them do it. If we want to do it this way, then let us do it. Liberty. Style clothes you wear at church. Do you wear suits or do you wear jeans? I don't care. This is a personal conviction for me. I feel comfortable wearing this, so this is the way I'm going to dress up. But you don't got to dress up like me to come here. It's not essential. Liberty. Just wear clothes. (laughs) That's the only thing I'm asking for. Okay? So style of music, uh, the way people dress. uh, Do you take communion every service or once a month? Not essential. What's essential is that you take communion sometime, but whether you take it once a month or twice a month or four times a month, it's not essential. People fight over stuff like this. Do you baptize in Jesus' name, the Holy Ghost's name, the Father's name? How about you do this? Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you don't miss any of them. Okay? Just so all your bases are covered. But people fight about the non-essentials. And I could go on and on and on, but we got, we got to go eat hamburgers here soon. But, but notice what it says, in essentials, unity. So agree about the main big things that you need from God's word that are very clear. On the non-essentials, give each other liberty. Don't fight about it. Don't argue about it. You're being petty. And you make the body of Christ look bad getting in strife with each other on Facebook about stuff like this. Come on. 
The Holy Spirit can convict them just like he can convict you. And sometimes it's different for everybody in here. It is. But in all things, charity, love. Whatever we do, we do it in love. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? (laughs) Good news, you got the Holy Spirit. Look what the Holy Spirit does. Romans 5 and 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we talked about how the Holy Spirit brings us unity. And how does he do that? He gives us the Holy Spirit who puts the love of God within us. That we can be united around the right things. And we don't get frustrated about people on the non-essentials. And we can love and be united. Why? Because the Holy Spirit who unites us is the same Holy Spirit who gives us the love of God. And that's not a natural love. That's a supernatural love. He gives us that supernatural love that we can love other people in our own church. We can love difficult people. We can love people we disagree with. We can love each other and we can be united around the main things. Keeping the main thing the main thing. That's what we should do. And you will be united with the church and each other as believers if you unite around the right things. You still here? Um, let's turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to stay here the rest of this time. We talked about at least two different weeks about Acts 2 and what happened on the day of Pentecost. One week we talked about he came and he brought power, or that word in the Greek translation is dunamis, dynamite, or explosive power, the power of God. But then another week we talked about what happened on the day of Pentecost when they all began to speak in other tongues or other languages and why he came to give us a personal prayer language. But I'm going to take it a little bit different route today out of the same passage. Acts chapter 2 in verse 1. And on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at the time, there were very devout Jews from every nation, now this is key, living in Jerusalem. Verse 6, and we're going to stop here and hang out for a second. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. To give you a little context of what's happening on the day of Pentecost, which actually on the calendar today is Pentecost Sunday on the calendar, just in case you wanted to celebrate that. We are, I guess, with the cookout today for the Holy Ghost. Um. I think the Holy Ghost would be pleased that we're giving him a blow-up house outside in honor of him being sent to this earth. That's beautiful. On the day of Pentecost, this is what happened. There was 120 people, believers in Jesus, in an upper room in Jerusalem. And they were waiting there because Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and you can't do anything without him, so wait until you're endued with power from on high or from the Holy Spirit. So they were waiting in this upper room. There's 120 of them in Jerusalem. Now, it happened to be, happened to be, no, it was a divine setup, that there was people from every nation in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. So when the Holy Spirit got poured out, it was strategic because there was people from every nation in Jerusalem. So this is what happens. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the words to say. Now, they didn't know what they were saying, but when they walked out, there was 120 of them. There was people from all over the known world. There was people from Africa. There was people from Asia. There was people from Europe, all in Jerusalem. 
And when the 120 believers went out of the upper room speaking in an unknown language, all the people around them heard the word in their own language. And it says, if you read the book of Acts, what they heard was the gospel being shared in their own language about Jesus. And that was a sign and a wonder saying that the gospel is not just for a certain group of people. The gospel is for everyone, and God wants everyone to be a part of it. Oh, but I love this. Come on, you got to help me. They said in the scriptures that when they went out and they were speaking in tongues. Now, they didn't know what they were saying. But everyone heard the word in their own language. Now, some said that because there was 121 of, of these believers, that there could have been 120 different languages being spoken with the people that were outside in Jerusalem. So there could have been 120 languages all preaching the gospel at the same time. But I love this. Because it says they all heard the word in their own language. Now, I'm not just talking about English here. How many of you know that somebody can talk in English but not talk your language? Are you with me? We even say that flippantly. Oh, now you're talking my language. Now, now they've been talking in English the whole time. But what happened? They were talking in a way that you got it. That you understood it. That you wanted to hear what they were saying. And you say, oh, you're talking my language now. It says when they came out of the upper room filled with key, the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings unity. He brings everybody together. He, he makes us one accord and he unites us together in the spirit that these people from every known language, when the spirit got to moving, everyone heard the word in their own language. People from Europe heard it in their own language. People from Asia heard it in their own language. Slave and free heard it in their own language. Male and female heard it in their own language. People from Africa heard it in their own language. Why? Because when the Spirit gets to move and He brings people together and unites them in the Spirit. And in the same service, come on now somebody. Everybody in the room can hear something in their own language. Why? Because when the preacher's preaching and the Holy Spirit is there, the Spirit of God is speaking to them in their own language. Come on, I'm going to take a lap in this Methodist church. You can be in a service, and I've seen it before. I've seen a, a group of hundreds of people, and I'm preaching about one specific thing. And then somebody comes up to me afterwards and said, man, I really like that point you made, Pastor. And I'm thinking, I didn't say that. Somebody else come up and say, man, that was a really good point today, Pastor, and this really ministered to me. I'm thinking, I didn't say that. You know what happened? When I was preaching, the Holy Spirit was speaking to it in their own language. And that's why that person back in the corner got something and the person on the front row got something and the person in the fifth row got something and the person on the tenth row got something. And it wasn't even something I said. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through me and he was speaking to, it to them in their own language. That's why I'm afraid to go to a church that the Holy Ghost is not moving. Because I don't know what you're hearing in there. Because if the Holy Spirit is not speaking it, you're not getting it. If the Holy Spirit is not using the pastor or preacher, you're not receiving anything. Because if you're going to be moved on by God, the Spirit has to say it in your own language. Four burgers. <laughs> let's, see, let's go for five, baby. It says, when they were all filled... Man, I feel this today. I don't know if you feel this today, but I'm starting to feel this today. I'm working up a sweat in this Methodist church. Woo. <laughs> when the Spirit gets to moving, everyone heard it in their own language. United. And they were all from different backgrounds, different places, different types of education. Slave and free, male and female, Jew and Gentile, all over the known world. 
in Jerusalem, and everyone heard it in their own language. Come on, isn't that good? The Spirit of God can do things that we can't do. We can't, we can't just unite people in our own natural strength. There's some things the Spirit of God's just got to do. He's got to bring people together. He's got to make people love each other. He's got to make people be united and, and overcome each other's faults and, and treat each other with respect and get over petty differences and, and bring different races together and different educations together and different backgrounds together and make them one body but many parts. United but diverse. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he wants to do in this church, and he has done, but he wants to do it more. But he wants to do it in the church, the global church. Imagine if the global church thought this way, how powerful it would be to change the world. They all heard the word in their own language. I love that. They all heard it in their own language. Now, later on in the book of Acts 2, it lists people and it lists the different countries and places they were from. Every type of racial background that we can imagine, European, African, Asian, all at the day of Pentecost. Why? Because he wanted the gospel to go into all the world and all those people to take it back to their country they came from. The sad part is this, that the most segregated time in our world is Sunday mornings. All right, I'll say that again since you're not saying anything. The most segregated time on, in our world is on Sunday mornings. And it should not be that way. Because we all bring strengths to the body of Christ. We all bring our gifts to the body of Christ, and our churches should look like heaven. Our dinner tables should look like heaven. Our lives should look like heaven. Now, what does heaven look like? It says in Revelation that there's every tribe, every nation, every tongue is in heaven. And our churches and our dinner tables and our lives should look like that. Not in a superficial way, but in a real and genuine way. And I'm not saying in a way because our culture, because they don't want to be canceled. Now, big companies, they, they, they make them diverse on purpose because they don't want to be canceled. Not because they care. Y'all don't know that? I'm not saying like a, just a fake, phony, like we need to get more diverse around here. Let's go find an Asian person. Let's go find a black person. Let's go find a white person. Because companies are doing that right now so they don't get canceled. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about because we really want to be what the church should be. And we really love people that are different than us. And we really want our church and our lives to look like heaven. Not so somebody's like, I'm going to cancel Church on the Rock. They're not very diverse. Who cares? Do it because your heart wants to do it. Am I saying too much? I'm just stating the obvious here. But we all bring our strengths to the body of Christ. And I'm going to close here. Did I mean that? Kind of. Here, I said close here. I didn't say a time. Didn't say a day. Didn't say a week. I just said I'm going to close here. Sometime soon, in the next three to five hours. We're going to close. <clears throat> different races bring different things to the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to talk about white people a second because you all know I love to roast you. <clears throat> How boring. You guys get so offended. See, this is what I'm saying. White people, you have your strengths. I just can't think of them right now, so I'm not going to say them. I don't know what they are. I used to be so mad I was white most of my life, and mom was like, God made you white. Like, get over it. I'm like, okay, I guess. 
I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I receive that. But every different group of people brings their gifts and their strengths. Latin people bring their strengths. African Americans bring their strengths. And Asians bring, bring their strengths. And Indians bring their strengths. And uh, all these different groups of people bring their strengths into the body of Christ. That's why you need everybody. Because we all bring our strengths. And I don't know about you, but see, I grew up listening to most of my heroes in the faith are African-American preachers. I'm still trying to be an African-American preacher all these years later. But they bring something different than white preachers do. And God bless white preachers and Asian preachers and Latin preachers. But there's something about a Bishop T.D. Jakes that just is different. He brings something special that, that somebody else doesn't bring. They bring their part, but he brings his part. And growing up listening to music, we grew up listening to black gospel music. We didn't have Hillsong and Elevation when I was younger. We had black gospel. So I grew up this way, and there's something special that, that they bring to the body of Christ that other groups of people don't bring. And if we act like we don't need certain parts of the body, where are we going to be as a church? We need diversity. We need every different race, white and black and Asian. We need every part because that's God's heart for his church. Once again, not in a diversity way so we don't get canceled, but because we really want a life like that. And we love people. And we see the need that we have for other people that are different than us. We need each other. All right, you got kind of quiet. I'm sorry, white people. You got a little offended about that. We'll give you some coleslaw in a little bit. There we go. That's it. That's what you brought. Coleslaw. Coleslaw. That's your one contribution to the church world. Coleslaw. Okay. I'm back on my notes. I'm joking. I'm so joking, guys. But on the day of Pentecost, what, what was there? Every nation. And they all heard the word in their own language. Let's look still in this passage in Acts 2. Notice Peter got up before this group of people, because they were wondering, how are these people speaking in other languages? And he goes, well, they're not drunk. This is what was prophesied in the Old Testament in Joel. When the Spirit of God would be poured out. And notice this is what he says. Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven and other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. As some of you are assuming, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Hey, you could tell Peter had a past. Right? He said, now I used a drink, but not 9 o'clock in the morning. Okay, it's too early for that. Verse 16. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days. Now, this was 2,000 years ago. So if he was pouring it out then, he's still pouring it out now. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I want to share just a few more other areas where we need to be united in diversity. So we, we're talking about how we need to be united in diversity when it comes to race and differences. But we also need to be united in diversity when it comes to male and female. It says when the Holy Spirit gets poured out that God is going to use men and women. Where you at, women? That God is going to anoint Sons and daughters to be used when the Spirit of God, once again, 
is being poured out. There's a unity he brings between male and female that we are not competing against each other. And it's so dumb. Yes, I said it. In this culture today that masculinity is mocked, but also femininity is mocked. The strengths of men are mocked, and the strengths of women are mocked. It's not right. We're different for a reason, because you're strong in this area, and you're strong in this area. And when we come together, we make up the whole body. And so when we say, we don't believe in women preachers, we're cutting 50% of the body out. When God wants to use women, and maybe there's a woman that needs to say something to you, but you're so stubborn, you won't listen. Husbands? No, I mean, I didn't, that was not in my notes. God wants to use, I'm joking, God wants to use men and women. The Bible says sons and daughters. You got to realize that Jesus had disciples that were women. It says there was wealthy women that supported him financially. We see in the book of Acts on that men and women were used to preach the gospel. They were apostles in the New Testament. They were prophets in the New Testament. They were church leaders in the New Testament. Women. Now, sometimes we have a problem with diversity in the church. But we need to be united in diversity. There's some churches that would never let a woman preach in the pulpit ever. Because of misunderstanding a few scriptures they took out of context. But God says he wants to use men and women when the Holy Spirit is poured out. So we need to look at our own hearts, look at what the Spirit of God wants to do. In the same way we need to let the Spirit of God work in us if we have any racism or prejudice towards other races or, or colors or, or people from different nations. We need to let God deal with our heart about men and women. Because the Spirit of God wants to unite us in the Spirit for a purpose. Because it says when His Spirit gets poured out, there will be men and women being used. Sons and daughters. Now let's look back up at Acts 2 and verse 16 if we could. Brother Darrell, you could come play. Now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Notice what he says here. That God wants to use all the nations, all the different racial backgrounds. And we need to be united in our diversity. But God wants to use men and women, but the old and the young. He wants to use the old and the young. Now, there's a reason I want to say this today is because a lot of people have prejudice even towards people that are a different age. That when the Spirit of God is moving, He brings them together as a family. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 that we should look at the older women like mothers, the older men as fathers, the younger men as brothers, the younger women as sisters. Why? Because it's a family. And you need every part of the family. And listen to me, church, you need everybody else in this room. Whether they're a male or a female, whether they're black or white, or whether they're young or old, you need them because they bring something that you don't have. They bring a gift and they bring a strength that you need. And a healthy church has all generations. Hear me, church family. A healthy church is not an old church that just has gray heads. Because what's the point if we don't pass it on to another generation? But also a healthy church is not just a bunch of young people. A healthy church looks like a family where you got moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and cousins and nephews. That's a healthy church. And our church looks that way, but we want to continue to look that way. And we want to honor every generation. And I want every generation, this church, to know that you're needed. You're needed. It's not, well, let the young people do it at Church on the Rock. 
No. Unless you're in heaven, you still got something to do. We need you. We need you serving. We need you giving. We need you leading life groups. We need you taking out some of these young couples and telling them your life experience and wisdom. We need you. It's not time to retire. There's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. We need you. We need every age group. We need the young people. We need the middle-aged people. And we need the older people. We need the grandmas and grandpas in this house. That's a healthy church. But notice when the Spirit got poured out, what he said, your young men and your old men will be used. Together. Not just young people, your young and old together. United in diversity. How can a 20-year-old guy and an 80-year-old guy hang out together? Because the Spirit of God wants to use them both. And even though they're different, He can unite them for the plan and the purpose of God. We need you. I'm saying this as your pastor. We need you. Don't back up from the plan of God. Don't back up from coming to church. Don't back up from serving. Don't back up from giving. We need you. There's a lot of young people in this church that need you. They need a mom and a dad. And you're the person to answer that call. You are. God wants to use the old and the young. We all have our strengths. You know, the the youth have the passion, the energy. The middle-aged, they have the strength. They have the experience. But the older age have the wisdom the understanding and the stability from a life that they've lived that they can bring into the church. And we need all of you. We need all of you. We need all of you. That's what a healthy church looks like. But that only happens when we let the Holy Spirit move in our life and unite us together. Unite us in heart take out the differences between us bring us together knowing that we're better together we're stronger together every race male and female different ages diverse but yet united the spirit of God's the only one that can do that he can break down walls he can break off prejudice and judgment he can unite us because of his spirit he can put the love of God in your heart when you didn't love that person before Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And he wants to do that. You still with me? Over a hundred years ago, there was a move of God called the Azusa Street Revival. In 1906, it's one of the most well-known revivals in the past 2,000 years. It was started by William J. Seymour, who was an African-American man, not educated, who received the Holy Spirit. And if you look at pictures of the start of that revival, you see men and women, you see young and old, and you see white and black. Now, this is in 1906, where this was not normal for people to go to church together. But what happened when the Holy Spirit gets to moving? He unites us. He breaks down walls. He breaks off prejudice. He breaks off judgment. And he unites us in the Spirit of God to do something great for his kingdom. And since the Azusa Street Revival, they say there's up to 800 million Pentecostal Spirit-filled people around the world today. Because of a group of a few people who got united in the spirit in Los Angeles, California, at the Azusa Street. Because when the spirit moves, he unites us. I got one last verse and I'm going to close. I appreciate you being here with me today. Let's look at Philippians 2, if we could. The Apostle Paul speaking, he says... Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? 
then make me truly happy by agreeing, talking to a church wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. That's unity. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. But let me read it from the message before we close. I love the way it says it. If you've gotten anything out of all of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, listen to this. If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor and agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be assessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. What is Paul describing here? He's describing what the Holy Spirit can do in a church if you allow him to do that. That that community would turn into a community that's not selfish, community that, that's humble, community that's looking out for others, a community that's serving each other, a community that's so different but yet united. That doesn't just happen. The Holy Spirit has to do it. And He wants to do it in you today. I know we got a great church already, but it can get better. And I'm going to ask you in a second to stand up with me. And I want you to just let the Holy Spirit point out any areas in your life that maybe you have prejudice, racism, or areas of judgment towards other people that you need to let him deal with because he will. And he'll put his love in your heart that you can be united in the spirit with others. Can we do that today? Can we stand up for a moment? Appreciate you guys coming today. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.